I'm pretty unfamiliar with Bitcoin, but I would say the people who make the best real estate decisions are the people who make decisions like with their own capital, with like long-term hold, like in mind. Someone says like, I'm going to build this. I want to own this forever. I mean, some of that is just common sense. Like you're going to build the highest quality house. You can do it for yourself. Same thing for like an asset. You're worried less about cash flow today. You're more of like, I just want to build it. I don't want to worry about it. I want to be good. And I want to make money forever. I like the, I like the location, et cetera. So that is always going to be the people who make the best decisions in business, certainly within real estate. Um, and they're usually a little more thoughtful in terms of what they're going to build in the long term. But it does make it very difficult to do. Uh, it's still difficult to do in predicting floor plans and population flows and, you know, on top of cap rates. At a minimum, I think people need to think like at least further ahead and also a little bit more with like a product rank experience, which is um, almost entirely lacking in real estate. Welcome back to the Bitcoin is Hard podcast. This is a choice app production about Bitcoin and personal finance. I'm purposely trying to like kind of get some Bitcoin people and some real estate people and cram them into the same room right now. So if you're a new guest or an old guest, stick with us. We have a whole playlist of crossover videos and this, I promise you, is going to be really, really good. So like, subscribe, comment on YouTube, follow and review on Spotify and Apple, okay? And the extended intro, like my name is Brian Harrington. Like my wife and I have one rental property and we're in process of acquiring a short-term rental. So we're like in the game, so to speak. And then we've also been investing together in Bitcoin since 2015. So that's my backstory of like, why, like I'm a self-ascribed personal finance nerd. Like I grew up on Dave Ramsey with my parents, but the one caveat I would say is that I hadn't been a wealth building nerd until later in my life. And I found the difference between personal finance strategy and wealth building strategy, which is what led me down the Bitcoin rabbit hole and which is what's actively bringing me down the real estate rabbit hole. And so that's why like I'm participating on YouTube live, learning off YouTube live with everyone else. And to bring in like the reason why Choice App like endorses the show and helps us make this show is because Choice App has been innovators in helping people hold alternative assets inside their IRAs and inside their retirement accounts for a bunch of years. So they were innovators on real estate and IRAs and they were innovators on Bitcoin and IRAs. And so that's why we're like mixing and matching both these things. And if I was to go one step past it, I believe of all alternative asset investors, the like concentric circles overlaps of like what the real estate fundamentals are and the Bitcoin fundamentals are have the biggest overlap of all alternative investments, but I can get there and help people get there in different ways. But so with all of that, like extended, uh, like intro, I'm pumped for this. Like personally, I'm making something that I personally want to listen to and I'm going to enjoy it. So I hope everyone else does also. So Bobby, so like start off with this. I'm actually just going to start off here. Why are you on Twitter? Like, why do you do what you do every day on Twitter and use that to kind of tell us like who you are? That's a really interesting question. Um, so I found myself on Twitter. I think like everyone, I have used Twitter as a news gathering source for over a decade. Um, I got off of it generally. I think like most people um, around 2016, when it just was like annoying to be uh, around that. And I used it primarily just like to follow things like sports and other things um, that were similar or uh, people's opinions on movies or TV shows. I logged on during the Breaking Bad finale and, and stuff like that. But um, more or less was awesome. During the pandemic, again, probably like many other people, 
I was at home, I was bored and a little lonely. And so I got involved in that. What I found was a pretty interesting, um, surprising to me, um, in-depth community and people who knew uh, and were heavily involved in real estate. Um, one thing that I really like about the real estate developer and investment class, um, which I think is applicable to other kinds of alternative investments, is I would say there is a, um, someone can speak with authority about certain types of things that only people who know knew. So it's almost like self-proving. So what I came across quick was like people were saying things and um, it was clearly someone who had bent the muck and the grime of like development and construction and leasing and all that different stuff. So that frankly to me is like what proved to me that it was like a worthwhile community to be involved in. Uh, the other thing that is a little bit unique to real estate is that it is very, uh, individual markets are very siloed. And so um, they're very small. There aren't that many developers or investors in any individual market, even a big one. I've, I've been primarily involved in the Philadelphia market. And so because there are very few people, most folks view themselves as competitors. And so I'd say the amount of knowledge sharing that occurs which, within the market is relatively small. If you have any sort of competitive advantage, whether it's because you know a certain contractor or because like you figured out some of the code, the last thing you do you, is it was you ever tell anyone. We came up with yep. a really good way to make a good design, anything, yep. just not anything you're going to do. What Twitter was able to do is, again, which was obvious, was to um, do that knowledge sharing. And so that's the first thing that was incredibly attractive to me is like, this is a worthwhile community of people who clearly know what they're doing. I'm not just yep. engaging with a bunch of like hooligans and wahoos or whatever. People are just like, you know, coming off the top rope saying random shit. Um, yep. This is like real thoughtful people. And that tone was set by, you know, some of the original people like Moses Kagan and Keith Wasserman yep. and Chris Powers and some of those other folks who were there back in, um, this is early 2020. So yep. um, I don't think I posted a single thing to my, like to my feed for at least eight months. Um, mostly it was just as other people brought up topics uh, there were some things that I knew about real estate development particularly um, well. And so I yep. would weigh in on those things. And um, I have a few different kinds of, um, like I said, like fairly or, or different kinds of experiences. But the thing that I've always been the most passionate about has been um, breaking space down into more components, which, you know, is called like, which I've called like floor plan design or floor plan data. Yep. Um, and that comes from just like a long sort of, uh, intellectual curiosity and things that I've done and that like, since like, frankly, before my career, during my education in high school or whatever, it's just something I've enjoyed. Um, yep. So as I sort of found a realm of talking about that, I also found that social media and uh, things work really well around people who talk about something that's unique, that they enjoy. Yep. Um, and so that is what gets me up in the day in order to post about things online, which primarily are things around um, pointing out the disparities in how um, data is currently cataloged in real estate um, and how it ought to be used or the differences between a way a space is used by someone else and the way that it's thought of by developers. Um, and, yep. and, then, and, and then there's a number of things that I think that kind of flow from that. I mean, like everyone yep. else, I guess I've gotten to a large enough like following that I can occasionally post about random thoughts and other things, whether it's my family or school or whatever stuff. But I, sure. I hope I hope no one. I don't think that many people follow me for that. That's just kind of you know pontificating yep. random stuff. The thing that I am an expert on is um, thinking about describing and having done work on um, taking large categories yep. of things where there's large amounts of data 
and breaking down into smaller pieces. Um, yep. So I perfect. No, and that lines up with exactly why I'm on Twitter too, and why exactly like this podcast to me, and honestly, even real life extension, like everything is just Twitter to me now. Like Twitter, Twitter most closely replicates real world networking of any other social media in my brain. And what you said about real estate developers being able to connect dots across cities and have open conversation about like knowledge sharing to the hive mind across cities rather than competition. What I'm starting to realize is basically that same thing, but across back, kind of bringing it back to alternative investments across alternative investments in that there there's like crossover data points, like all people that like love real estate and people that love Tesla stock and people that love Bitcoin and people that love whatever they kind of view themselves in competition with each other right and then you have the like courses that teach you how to do real estate they teach you how to do tesla stock they teach you how to do bitcoin and then it's kind of like what branch are you're in and yeah. something that i've been putting together is like we guys we're kind of this is we're kind of all at the mercy of the fed right like we kind of say that like we're all at the mercy of that and it's like we have to focus on our like investment niches so hard and find an investment strategy that works so hard because the underlying currency is not working. Like the underlying currency, you can't hold in a bank account and know that you can do something with it 12 months from now. That's a problem. Like, and that's causing like structural problems in society. And then you have these like, so then that's creating like societal problems of like the people that are able to participate in the investment courses. And then the people that feel like, or in, in, or can't participate in the investment, like, um, you know, courses. So yeah, that's why. So if I was to dispel one thing right now, kind of unprompted for like just real estate, I guess, listeners would be that like, there is like the investment case for Bitcoin and that it behaves like a growth stock and kind of becomes one of those things. But there's also this like underlying thing of if we fix the money, we have the chance to fix the world. And so like I'm a participant and one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, which kind of rushing is like Yimbyism versus NIMBYism. Like, sure. like, like I am a Yimby. I am a Yimby because I believe that like housing should have a utility value. Like I participate in the wealth building effects of real estate because I'm I'm happy to go with the flow because that's the way the world works. But I also, the reason why I'm involved in Bitcoin is because if we affect the end game of like having a more like sound currency that doesn't like lose, lose its like purchasing power, then it makes everything else better. It literally makes everything else better. So that's what I would kind of dispel off the top is like when people are digging into Bitcoin is like you have to separate Bitcoin from crypto and you have to separate Bitcoin from just regular NASDAQ stocks and you have to really think about the currency. And so talk, mm. talk to me about that. Do kind of both those. Talk to me about NIMBYism versus NIMBYism and then yep. talk to me about do real estate developers like do you think about the currency? Like do you think about the measuring stick itself, the dollar like very often? Interesting. Um, start the second one first. Um, yeah. Yes, in that like, okay, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to describe it well. All right, so I'm a, uh, the real estate that I've done primarily before becoming, you know, a, um, a prop tech founder. Yep. Um, I have built primarily like a ground up construction 
right? And so uh, where there where the money is like a big difference is uh, it comes into play is everything uh, which you might see the term is like is about like return on cost, right? So uh, you're you're going to build a property um, debt free. If you were to snap your fingers and it's built debt free, and you were to snap your fingers and it's leased up at whatever you think the market rents are today, that is a certain percentage, and that ranges in new construction from in multifamily, which is I did from you know. Five percent to eight percent. It depends on the different mark and the market, right? Um, so, but so, but the real measure on whether or not like a project is worth doing has to do with the delta between what it is that you can build it for, the return on cost, and what it is that you think that you can sell it for, which is a, which is basically just the cap rate. And cap rate is not only tied to like interest rates. There are other things, so it, but but it is a lot. To, but it is a lot moves with interest rates. Like as interest rates have gone down, cap rates have gone down. It is not like inexorably tied together, but those are definitely related. So I would say one thing that I mean, I start. I've trained a whole lot of different analysts. One thing that I did tell them, um, so I'd say to to say that we do think about money, but then we also don't. Yep. Is the part we don't is that I've told people. If we knew what interest rates were going to be like in four years, and if we could confidently predict cap rates in four years, none of us should waste our time doing real estate. So let's not overly worry about that thing. Our job is to mitigate the risk on getting a project done to the spec that we want done, and then you know hopefully things are good. Um, and yep. the way that we mitigate risk is get it done as fast as possible, knowing that mm -hmm. like the further out we go, the less confidence we ought to have to predict um, interest rate environments and therefore uh, cap rate environments. So again, you can also yep. mitigate against that through taking reduced leverage and different kinds of debt products. But in that aspect, we do think about money because whether you're gonna make a lot or little really depends on that. Um, and I'd say one other interesting feature about the real estate market in the last 10 years is uh, we have been in a cap rate compression market since 2011, like massive. Um, and yep. so there are some parts that were very quick and there are some parts that have taken a little longer, but it's gradually been in that trend down across all asset classes, but gradually like, um, and it's, it's, I think it sort of started in multifamily and has come now for industrial and other, and other things too, so maybe self-storage, but it started there. Um, and the reason that happened is because um, basically uh, government agency debt was able to be held very low um, across the country. So yep. um, you could borrow at, you know, um, Fannie, from Fannie Freddie at, you know, 75, 80% loan to value in Omaha, just like you yep. could in New York City. Um, yep. So uh, cities like New York City ended up moving away from like the agency products because there was debt that's even cheaper and other capital that's yep. even less expensive. But that's really the main thing that like drove them down um, because as long as your debt service coverage ratio could like uh, service like the fixed rate debt, uh, there's nothing for cap rates to do but compress. Um, and that yep. is an, and that and that is what happened, and that is what will happen as long as you know the debt service coverage ratio uh, uh, metrics are sort of held to, which is generally in multifamily like one two five um, for a for a project that's considered like stabilized. Um, so yep. that's kind of that's kind of how real estate developers and ground developers think about money in terms of like yep. the NBAism versus NIMBYism. Hold on, um, hold on. Let me pause. Hold on. I'm going to punt on that. Like that yep. answer is so okay, good. good. I'm going to punt on that. We're going to get that. What, so okay. I want to say, I want to say a few things. The, 
excellent description. And this is where the reason why I brought up like I was a personal finance nerd and now I've become a wealth building nerd. The split between both of those is one hand debt is bad. This debt is good. Like shorthand, shorthand for just those two camps. And this is where I think like people are, we could, we could split it up by age or split it up by whatever. But it's like when you make the switch from like, oh, thinking about personal finance to thinking about wealth building, it's the like light switch on like, is debt good or bad? Like, and which then, so there's that. And then I want to ask, I love, I love how you said like, so if you could predict what the interest rates are, then like doing the analysis, like doing the, like the work of making the positive real estate decisions would almost go away. You wouldn't be able to do it because then, and so what I like about that, I'd now want, talk to me about then being a prop tech founder, because the other reason why I love, like I'm, I'm number one bullish on Bitcoin. And I'm number two bullish on PropTech. And the reason why is because I think they're both doing the same thing. Like they're both routing around the bureaucracy of the way USD is created. Like interest rates and top-down management of the way USD is created. And again, whether it's from the central bank or whether it's from private banks, it's still being loaned into existence. Like dollars are being created. Only, Only certain people are able to create dollars. And then other people, life, uh, in real meat space choices are dependent on like the supply of dollars. So, and that's then for new, for anyone just coming in new, that's the reason why Bitcoin is interesting is because the monetary policy of Bitcoin is predetermined ahead of time with software code instead of by humans. So, so it's like, it's a, it's a rallying point. It's a rallying point. So instead of using a ruler, that's a rubber band, we use a ruler. So PropTech prop tech is building around bureaucracies. It's helping yep. people that don't have the ability, like it's basically all different schemes of like my DTI, my debt to income ratio on paper can't fit into XYZ box. So I'm going to use like XYZ bridge or PropTech solution to get on the horse, right? Yes. How would you yes. tell me about your PropTech journey? Um, let's or how see. you well, would define like what is the category like what is it doing? Um. Well, let's see. First, I'd say prop tech is often by many people an overly broad term um, because uh, there are obviously lots of things that are uh, that are kind of like fintech within property. I mean. Uh, Yep. There's all these sort of different things like real estate is the largest asset class in the world. And yep. uh, the amount of technology brought to it is like uh, relatively minor um, in terms of means and methods, in terms of valuation, in terms of all the different transaction costs. So there are lots of different things to attack it. Um, I'd say the way that I have, I have thought about it um, has been, um, and I've been on a few different uh, journeys. Some have to do with, um, I guess, some particular um, measuring and mathematical insights that I'd have, which are a little bit separate, but the main thing that has driven me towards it is that um, space is inefficient. Um, Space is inefficient and also that it is not cataloged as inefficient and it's not cataloged well. And when things aren't, things aren't cataloged well, you can only pull the levers on so many, you can only pull levers on things that you measure. Um, You know, that's why for for a company, it's very important to have the correct KPIs because you can optimize for only the things for which you're keeping track of. Within real estate and within um, multifamily in general, same thing with single family, which is frankly even harder than it is with a multifamily. 
the main thing that I realized as a ground developer was there was no data telling me the difference between a 650 square foot one bedroom that was good and a 650 square foot one bedroom that was a piece of shit. Now, everyone knows the difference when you walk in, right? Like low light, bad view, mm -hmm. bad smell, terrible layout, like all those other things that someone would know when they walk into it, but it doesn't show up in Excel. There might be balcony in one or the other. There might be some really sophisticated models might have which direction it faces. But at the end of the day, like a person just knows whether that's the property manager, but really whether that's the renter. So I'd say the lack of data breaking space down into like its real components. And again, this can never be perfect. Models are only about like approximating some things like a little bit better. But because they use the they they use these categories, which for apartments and for homes too, end up being basically number of bedrooms done for bathrooms square feet. Um, that creates a situation where people are going to optimize for that because yep. real estate, like every other financial asset, um, is driven by Excel. It just is, and you know, as happens a lot in, in Twitter and elsewhere, people rail against this, um, and I do too. But yep. until you catalog things appropriately, it can't be fixed. Like. If, if you're just going to say, why does this get higher rent because of design, that works within very, 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 very specific things. Like everyone understands Frank Lloyd Wright houses sell for more. Why? Because there's a cachet to that sort of brand, but yep. that isn't within like layout design. So that I'd say is the motivating principle to me along the few different like prop tech journeys that I've been on um, yep. and sort of the trajectory that I see it. It's that. Um, space is designed better for humans. I like rentals also because, um, because they are commodity, which is a much yep. better determination of like how much people value it. Um, there is like an upper bound where like rent can only be a certain percentage of income that people have. So there is obviously like lots of yep. other inflationary other things that go on with it. But like at the end yep. of the day, people are going to spend in rent, like a certain percentage of what it is that they are making. Um, yep. and they are going to differentiate between one thing over another thing in apartments based on how much they value it. So for something that's going to be how close that is to like their work, their kids' school, all that yep. other stuff, like how close that is to all those other points. And it also has to do with the makeup of that space itself. And that is something yep. that is not done. Um, and again, I think there are lots of different examples. Zestimate is a perfect example because their model, because they don't measure it, cannot tell the difference between like pretty or ugly, right? Like, yep. just, or, or some of it is too difficult. Like, I don't even know how you would do that. Like, in yep. an algorithm so i understand why they punt on it so their algorithm is going to be some like range of square footages in air and say like it'll be some probability that it's between 380 and 420 dollars a square foot fine that's the best yep. like approximation but to me the journey that i want to be on is like find out how to take space turn it into things that are a little bit better to give tools to people and for tenants to understand pricing better so that you can yep. then design the things um in ways that yep. people want to use more rather buy some different like biases um, yep. again this also comes up on twitter someone says that kitchen is too big or this needs that um there are too many things because there is a lack of data decisions are made too much based on um the the, the actual decision makers and again it's also yep. where like there's issues of product and all things come and then there's also yep. issues like diversity like the kinds of people who are on the table making those sorts of decisions and who they are and what their background is and whether they ought to be making decisions for 24 year olds or not, you know, based yep. on their age and where they come from. So that is, I guess, like a lot of different things I got into, but like, yeah, those are yep. the things that motivate me um, yes. in prop tech, but it's mainly like, it's mainly that the, uh, the delineation of space 
in order to make yep. the space better for people. Um, that's, yep. that is the, that is the motivating thing that I'm on. No, perfect. Perfect. And I want to, so I can't remember if I've said this or not yet, but your interview with Fort Worth Chris, like was perfect. Like it was excellent. Thanks. Like, and it got into, like, it got into this, like for longer than we even will today. So I would encourage people to like, listen to that about just how, why apartments are the way they are. And I love the way that he framed the question of just why are the floor plans then an afterthought? Because I think you did a great job. So, uh, because the decision makers are using Excel. So I want to, let's keep, I, and I love the why you just made of like, here's why the developer makes the apartment the way it is. And then here's how the, uh, tenant chooses how the top upper bound of how much they're willing to pay. And so like, and then connecting it back to like cap rates are compressing either way. Like, so yeah. what, yeah, like prop tech. So, and then I want to connect it to this, the interior sure. square footage, like the room that I'm in right now is affecting my mental health. Like it is like, yeah. I am living right now. Like I am breathing oxygen and spending minutes to talk with you right now. And this yeah. space is a yeah. part of like, what is happening to me? Like, it truly sure. is like the, the scarcest resource on earth, like my time, our time, I'm spending it in this place. And so this yep. has a very, like, and all your stuff of like the bedrooms too large, narrow, like narrow living rooms. So why the, so the, the apartment builders can't make it better because the cap rates are compressing either way and tenants are getting a less desirable choice to spend the minutes of their life because cap rates are compressing. Is that, is that too nihilistic or what do you think? Um, well, I would say, I, I don't think you're wrong to focus on the part that like, so. The, and, that's, and I'm not meaning it, that to be so like, oh, like, bad developers yeah, or like, it, oh, evil developers. Like I'm trying to no, 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 truly no, think about here. like I mean, the, cur this, the currency is broken and it's leading yeah. to me sitting in a wonky bedroom. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So I guess there's, there's two different factors that are going towards that one. One is kind of touching back to the, the Ibi versus NIMBYism. Like there is yeah. a uh, massive disparity between supply and demand. Right. Um, yeah. And so like, that's just driving asset prices up within this particular asset class because people do want it. Um, yep. There's a limited amount of it. They're moving to places where it isn't. And that's causing there to be like even more like disparities within certain kinds of markets. So that's going in that direction. And it is also true that cap rate compression is pushing well, so cap rate compression affects like the asset prices. It doesn't affect like rent as much. So they're kind of like two different things, but but here's where they do combine a little bit is like, because cap rates are compressing, say for example, like an apartment developer can make like a horrible decisions on like the units and it doesn't matter because like the overall things they're making is so much. Here's where it's, here's other ways where it's similar to um, from 2015 to 2016. I mean, for a while people have doing, been doing an apartment. So it's called, you know, value add strategy, right? You buy an apartment building, 1970s, you upgrade the appliances, you change the, you know, countertops from plastic to, you know, some sort yep. of stone material, and then you raise rents. Yep. Well, again, um, um, the disparity of supply and demand has been so much that like, I would say it is, uh, uh, should be considered at a minimum, right? Like um, whether or not that price increase is due to like the widening disparity in supply and demand, or if it was done to like the intervention that you did, right? Yep. I know plenty yep. of people, plenty of developers who executed on a value-add strategy on projects they bought in 2016 to 2017, rent went up none and they killed it. 
right? Like yep. their asset, uh, and because they have leverage, right? They made more. So like they bought a building for $60 million, spent $5 million on renovating units. The NOI changed none. And then the asset sold for a hundred million dollars, you know, like a few years later. So, you know, they're, they made $40 million in equity on $40 million in profit on 15 million in equity. Like everybody's happy, but they were wrong, right? Like, or, yep. or maybe they were right in saying that like cap rates are just going to keep going down. I'm right. I, you know, I, I don't exactly know. Either way they made money. So like, again, yep. I, I'm, I'm loath to say they made wrong because at the end of the day, they're happy. Their investors are happy, but, yep. it do, but where it still leaves a, uh, so I guess I would say that is one of the reasons why in this particular kind of market, some of these things like floor plan attributes or finishes within units have been overlooked because um, for the people making the decisions on building them, things are going so well that like yep. the main thing you need to do is like get the projects turned as fast as possible. You need to like buy the real estate because yep. the rocket ship's going up. So you just need to get on because we know it's going to yep. go from here to there. So you, you have to, you have to get on that boat. Um, so that's that's part of it. When it comes to the specifics of um, unit design, um, there are a lot of other things. Okay, I'd say. I, I mean, I, I I continue to believe that it's a problem of like of incomplete data. Um, so yep. like someone choosing one unit over another, um, if there isn't the good uh, data for like why this is better than that, it doesn't have a signal to the rest of the market on like why someone didn't want something. If you call everything a studio. And someone doesn't want like one slew of units, but they hate the other. Like you would look at them both in the same category and say like, oh, like I should raise the prices on these ones. It's like, no, what the market was telling you is that like that studio was absolute trash. This one is good. So raise the price on one, lower the price on the other. But categories being too broad means that the consumers can't properly signal to the market what it is they want. Um, and, and then yep. the other one that has to do with real, real estate is extremely complicated. Um, especially the development ground up part. And so, um, um, can I say something? Does, go ahead. Go ahead. Your, so your sing signals are broken. Exactly. Like, and that's what I, I'm just kind of in this, like the products we use, the products we use are bad. I don't think this is just happening in real estate. The products we use are bad because product decisions are being driven by tectonic plates that are happening in the like economy that the, that we don't have control over. And so who makes money and who doesn't make money is driven by tectonic plates rather than good product decisions, which is why the like, if we look at the life of just a regular person and the products that they're using, so the interior square footage they're in and the interior like things that are inside their square footage and the like, those are poor because the signals are broken. Totally. That's like, and, and that's like, that's like Bitcoin or like Bitcoin or all day is like saying really? that. That's why they okay. say like fix the money, fix the world, like fix the yeah. signal, fix the world. Because the way or another way of saying it, not taking talking about Bitcoin is like George Gammon, like another super great YouTuber. Like he says this thing of investment decisions. Like you used to have to think about like economic decisions to make good investments, but now you have to think about political decisions to make good investments. Like in, in that, or when he talks about like the economy is becoming financialized, like yeah. you can't. And, and so to me, that's like the uphill climb I see for like basically just product designers in general is like, there's a bunch of people like you out there that are like proving every single day on Twitter, which is the public square of the world. They're proving that like this idea has like has um, legs 
and they're executing on it and they're putting stuff into the world that's making the world a better place. But it's like we're all fighting uphill against these tectonic plates. Um, and so I, I'm trying to figure out, like, how do we like so, so the mental exercise that I love thinking about is like, what's the end game? So like 10, like what is 10 years from now? Like, how do we continue to put a dent in, you know, kind of pulling the world back towards like yeah. product designers? Well, that's, um, that's right. That's where I'm ended up, That's where I'm going to end up going with, um, with this floor plan and with, and with this data product is, is like you said, a little bit like rolling forward a little bit. I mean, once things get turned into Excel and financial product too much, like, I mean, um, everything turns into corner solutions. This also happens within like NIMBY and zoning or all, all those types yep. of things. Once everyone figures that this is the right way. So I mean, if you look at your area um, and all the houses look the same, it's mainly because the zoning is a code. Someone figures out the highest and best use to do that one. And then everyone does the exact same thing. Um, yep. So, so um, that's what happens. That's what happens in real estate. So like, and also yep. um, real estate, similar to maybe some of the other things you mentioned, especially new development, um, because decisions made now um, are not manifested until many years down the road, it makes it even more difficult to like do them in collaboration with other people. So um, things like um, uh, there are lots of areas, uh, you know, there's the opportunities on tax credit, right? Which you might yep. be familiar with, yep. right? So um, that basically means like there is an area that's disinvested, Let's put significant capital and give significant tax breaks to do that, right? So everyone looks at the same set of data. So a lot of people are rushing to build basically new things here before the area is, before we know what it is. Because that happens, they're all responding to the same data now. And I know this because I studied these formats, they're all building the exact same unit type. So to me, yep. like I look and say like, well, I've rolled forward five years. You're now going to have a city full of all of the same unit types. And again, they're all designed in a product-oriented manner, which, you know, I'm, I, it's a, towards a single demographic, which um, no problem against a demographic, but I do have a, I do have like just like an investment problem with like, not everyone should build the same thing. It's just yep. not a good long, not a good long-term thing to do. Um, so anyway, that, that, that yeah. is the way that and, I know And that's I, because I then like this. the harp, then, because then... Yeah, you're putting all your eggs in one basket. Or why? Why is building all the same thing a bad investment? Well, I, I, I mean, because because it turns it even more into a commodity, right? Like, um, if everyone builds the same floor plan and the same particular unit type, uh, uh, then the only thing you differentiate on is like who has the most up to date amenities and who has the nicest yep. finish. So either you have to be the most beautiful apartment in the world forever, yep. and the coolest, or which isn't possible, you're going to keep being on that rat race of like fighting forever. So, or I guess the other thing you can differentiate on is price. So you can be priced lower, you can be cooler forever, or you're going to need to keep upgrading. Um, and um, that doesn't seem like a purchasing good like business strategy to me. Where, where the reason why it happens though, is because different sort of developers, or again, the way that things work is someone says like, I'm going to build, I'm going to hold it for a period of time and I'm going to sell, right? So there you only need to time things by like three to five years. Um, yeah. uh, there are people who are more sophisticated, um, and it's, and, and, and I guess maybe so again, I, I'm pretty, um, unfamiliar with Bitcoin, but I would say the people who make the best real estate decisions are the people who make decisions like with their own capital, with like long-term yeah. hold, like in mind, someone says like, I'm going to build this. I want to own this forever. I mean, some of that is yeah. just, uh, common sense. Like you're going to yep. build the highest quality house if you do it for yourself. Yep. Same thing for like an asset. You're worried less about cash flow today. You're more of like, yep. I just want to build it. I don't want to worry about it. I want to be good and I want to make money forever. I like the I like the location, et cetera. So that yep. is always going to be the people who make the best decisions in business, certainly within real estate. Um, and yep. they're usually a little more thoughtful in terms of um, 
what they're going to build in the long term. But it does make it very difficult to do. Uh, it's still difficult to do in predicting floor plans and population flows and, you know, on top of cap rates. So, yep. um, but at a minimum, at a minimum, I think people need to think like at least further ahead and also a little bit more with like a product rank experience, which is um, almost entirely lacking in real estate. Yep. Yep. How, um, let's jump to zoning. Just what, yeah. What's your thoughts on just zoning in general? And then I have like a funny HOA story. I'll tell you. Sure. We'll hit HOAs. So yeah, just what? How does zoning impact it? So I would say one of those kinds of big caveats, like we need more housing, um, kind of like everywhere. Um, so in that aspect, I am like full on Yimby. That being said, I've been turning over my mind a while, like how to best frame like um, a good defense of nimbyism from someone who is like fundamentally like yimby or some fundamentally developer yeah. and that's where i think like um i i think it's like a framework of trying to understand like uh the other side a bit right like my thing happens to be like uh unit plan diversity right so there is a degree to which like the first projects out of the gate are always going to be these highest rent per square foot first types of things like moving forward and that always means buildings full of like nice amenities luxury towers and it's going to be for you know, small studios and one bedrooms and even the two bedrooms designed for roommates. So I'm convinced that that it doesn't justify it, but that it feeds into sort of narrative, like why there's such like strong NIMBY reaction. Yeah. Also, I would say that like for good communities, any area that someone's been to it does have certain kinds of rules, right? Like um, Philadelphia has like a lot of different like historical buildings. It makes it charming. Like we have like federal historic tax credits in order to renovate existing buildings, which is less efficient. Um, and we subsidize that in order to say, like, we believe that this uh, charm is worth something. So I think I don't think there's anyone who's like actually like a full on like Yimby in every circumstance. Um, yep. I think in practicality, like um, and it's also why I am probably a little bit more opposed than some to blanket like fiat like uh, decisions and all of entire things, because I do think that there's charm between different neighborhoods. So. Yep. Uh, that, then that being said, I, I also uh, th there can also be a time and a place for everything. Like just because like zoning changes yep. immediately doesn't mean like the entire society is going to fall apart yep. right away. So yep. maybe we are in a time where we say like, look, all restrictions are off. You know, it's like um, yep. what uh, what's that movie where like all crime is legal for like a night? Like it might yeah. be the yep. case that we need like uh, that we need uh, that sort of like Yimby zoning like for a time being because the disparities yep. are great. We need that. However, yep. like tree protections are good, right? Like yep. sidewalk, yep. like restrictions, like yep. are important to say these types yep. of things. Like, so yep. there is a, here's the way, a reason. So I would translate, yep. here's the way I would translate the previous point you made with this one. And it's that if like in the same way that making all the units the same, like is not a good investment decision and people that are holding for the long term, like most likely make the best like investments. And yes, the charm of different areas, nimbyism, you're correct. The like the the strong case for nimbyism and the logical case for nimbyism is I don't want my town to look like the cookie bot like cookie cutter box that is being created. And so yeah. yes, like if if there was like financial incentive if, if the signals or the incentives or whatever lined up for more interesting development, more custom development, you're correct. Like more and more on the grade from NIMBY to YIMBY, you're correct. Like it would be well, way more interesting. And, and here, and here's where I think it is a little bit similar to like the, um, to the crypto thing as well. Like one of the things that uh, YIMBY is going to is they end up, in my opinion, putting far too much um, 
trust in the fact they're saying like, well, developers know the market and they're going to build like what the market needs. I was like, you give way too much credit to what they know what to do. And also they, yep. it's not that they don't care about the internal community, but like that is not where they're, the side their bread is buttered on. Their side, their yep. bread is buttered on make something, make money. And yep. for a lot of them move on for some of them hold long-term in the same yep. way. That's why like, it's important for all these different coins and tokens that are coming out to have like ground rules such that you can't yep. do anything you want because yep. it's always going to be in like some bad actor's person to take the rules, bend them as yep. far as they can possibly go, break them in ways that like people didn't even really think of. Like that's how you would creatively make money and, and push them beyond the point of like wherever it intended yep. to do something and then ends up just like yep. sinking the entire ship. So I would say in the yep. same thing, like, regulation is obviously necessary within like zoning. I don't believe that people should be able to put a strip club next to like a single family home. Right. And I don't think anyone would agree with that, but like that means therefore we have some kind of regulation, some kind of ground rules, because also this is the thing about the community. Like um, I do think that it is reasonable for those communities to say, we will put on regulations because we are the vested like long-term holders of this community, not like some EMBC, not developers. Yep. Um, yep. Developers aren't evil. Um, developers are also yep. driven by incentives like everybody else in the entire world. Yep. 100%. So let's talk about that community and rules and the rules making. Yep. So yep. And here's the funny story. This is not an HOA bashing story. Like I'm, I'm yep. a pro HOA guy and I want to talk yep. through this. So yep. I bought a new build, moved into a new development. I've been eight months in. We're doing our backyard. We're doing our backyard and we're doing our traditional driveway extension, right? Because the builder like driveway was too narrow, can't fit two cars doing the extension. So the rule book says the max you can expand is four feet. I wanted to do all the way to the property line to just like get like cars, golf carts, like kids, cars, like our mother-in-law cars. Like I'm like, how about I take control of my property line and then get cars off the street, get them all here. So I present the plan and have it presented at the HOA meeting. I'm like, hey, I'd like a variance request. This is my address, uh, you know, all the way to the property line. And then, and the reason is for more parking, get cars off the street. The person on the board, this is what he said. He said, well, you know, I would love that too. Like, that sounds great. But like the rules say it's four feet. And then they like declined it and moved on to the next item. And so let's talk about that. I'm like, bro, like you're the guy, like you're the guy and you're in the position of working for the community. You're saying that you agree with me in this position of the resident for the thing. And so that's why, like, you are the meme right now. You're, like, creating yourself to be the meme of the, like, me, I should now go buy my, like, anti-HOA flag and put it up on my house and be like, these guys don't get it. Let us do what we want. Like, and, and, like, his email address isn't on our website, so I couldn't email him to talk to him ahead of time. Like, I wanted to do, like, the only way to request it was to go to the meeting which public meetings are inherently combative, which is why coffee meetings ahead of time are better or like learning. Like I'm new here. You've lived here for four years. Let me preemptively ask you like, you know, all this stuff. So talk through the funny scenario. Like, what do you think it is? Like what's blocking, like what is blocking planning commissioning HOAs like to create custom carve outs or just do things more what do you think um that is a perfect example of why like local developers exist um and uh 
I don't have a solution for that. And also I would say maybe, and uh, maybe be a little bit, a little bit of a hot take or something like that, but I would say yeah. like, I think what you described is actually a good process, even though, even though it was a bad outcome, because like, yeah. I don't like what else ought it to be now? Like you said, some of those different things should get better, but yep. um, there's incredible buy-in on those things. Those are the rules. Yep. And when they change, like then we, then, I mean, I mean, how, how do I put, um, I think one of the worst situations we have, which is unfortunately kind of endemic to the government is like when rules are, you don't want exceptions to define the rules, right? It's like, or yep. that there are always exceptions to define rules. And I, and to me, that is one of the best promising things about crypto and off chain type stuff is that like the rules, the rules, this person owns yep. that thing. If this thing doesn't occur and then it's like nothing can yep. do everything. So we don't need yep. to, we don't even need to have those types of groups. Now, um, I don't know. There's always going to be times where there ought to be wisdom. And that's, and that's maybe also where I think there's the inherent weakness of things at crypto because human yep. wisdom and reasonableness um, yep. is the thing that enabled us to like evolve from, you know, wherever we were at to yep. wherever we are today. Yep. Um, yep. And not that we aren't the other tools to keep going further, but like people yep. like recognizing that they need to like compromise and see that yep. like this, that the rules weren't designed for the situation is what's going to happen. So like, I don't know, I think. So on think that, on that. Is the right process. Yeah. yeah. So the process of bringing it and then the decision, totally agree. Yeah. What I think is interesting is like the theme that you've been saying too. The, the rule book was a copy paste rule book yeah. from another group of homes over yep. here. So yep. rather than so rather than the builders who are in process of handing it over to us realizing that so this where I'm living is directly like out our main road is locally designed golf cart community. So that locally designed golf cart community should inform driveway sizes because now you have recreational vehicles with yeah. regular size vehicles in this yep. thing which yep. is cutting down on traffic which is cutting down on sidewalk thing, which is creating more local business for local so it's like so all yep. of that's lined up but then the builders brought a brought a copy paste hoa guideline and so that's where it's like and, and what's funny yeah so that's where it's like so let's talk about politics then for a second sure then what's going to sure. happen well, then what's going to happen is so here's here's what's going to happen. I'm going to like run for HOA, right? And I'm going to put mm -hmm. on my thing something about copy paste rules. Like I want it to be more custom. Here's the funny story of what happened to me. I've tuned yep. into the events, you know, and I'll door knock and I'll probably win. Like to be honest, like not to be super like patting myself on the back, but like I kind of understand how to generate snowballs and like sure. how people work together and hold sure. coffee meetings. Like I'll put yep. my email address on the website, all the yeah. regular playbook. So yeah. so I win. And then I get on there and I'm like, hey, we should create a custom rule book. Then what's going to happen to me is our lawyer is then going to come to me and say, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that because of XYZ like lawsuit, right? Mm -hmm. And that's sure. then or XYZ insurance reason. And then that's another cap. That's another cap on like, I guess, progress or like customization, sure. right? Like that's then yeah. another reason why all the commercial buildings we like our commercial buildings feel the same and our residential units feel the same because yeah. then even if you have like the the person who's willing to do the local community work and kind of work to create carve and mold the custom rule book you're then in these even more overarching agreements of like 
Here's the way insurance works across the country. Here's the way lawsuits against HOAs work across the country. Like, Mm -hmm. or, and it's funny, or like, isn't there a funny thing of like, it's like the 10 year mark is the like when HOAs are no longer allowed to sue the builders. So they they already built into the budget. They already built into the budget at the nine and a half year mark that they're going to have to go do repairs. Like that's like a thing, right? So Mm -hmm. what do you think? I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Um, I Paul, yeah, I want a, well, I don't know. I don't, I'm in, I'm in your boat too. Of like, I don't know what the solution is to that. You know, um, benevolent dictatorship. I don't know. Right. Well, okay. So Ian, that goes <laughs> back to I the people, I have no so the people that hold the long, another way of saying benevolent dictatorship is the person that holds the longest. Like the person that holds the Something longest is like the person that, that yeah. has the invest, like investment. Right. Because it truly is that like, if the, if the average time in the community or in the average time in a home is seven years the people that like stick it out and like i'm the 21 year guy then that's like proof of work driven up over time of like the most amount of things and the most amount of hard conversations with the attorney hard conversations with the attorney that then finally gets it molded okay so i'd say i think that's a great point and and what i also find interesting is that like you see that dynamic quite a bit within like high trust communities right like so uh i'm a christian right so in my Mm -hmm. church like that those kinds of things carry tremendous weight, right? Mm-hmm. Like when someone gets up to say something, it says like, look, I've thought of this long time or like, I don't know, yeah. they're, they're, they're an example of one, but them saying like, this is how my wife and I have done things. Like I've, yeah. I've done this. That's not, that's not to disqualify anyone's opinion of different stuff, but like um, someone having lived a long time, having done something, having been in their church the while, like it does carry weight. And I think Evan recognizes that it ought to, again, that yep. doesn't mean that someone who's like new doesn't have the right idea, but I think like in those kinds of high trust, um, deeply connected communities, people realize that like life, wisdom, and like you said, um, age, but age is kind of like a proxy for um, what you have sacrificed, right? Like, and, and that's also, again, getting to some other ba- uh, building block things like relationship with children, right? I mean, it's why like- yep. One of the most powerful things that someone's mother says to them is like, I carried you for nine months. Yep. Like I raised yep. you for this time. Like lo- what it, love is proven by like sacrifice over a long period of time. And obviously you don't, you don't appreciate that all when you're a teenager, as you get older. And then especially when you have kids yourself, you realize like, oh my gosh, like the sacrifices my parents made, yep. the things they did, like the sacrifices that my grandparents made in order to basically like be cannon fodder, like as immigrants yep. in order to do it. Like, so yep. time and uh, buy and matter tremendously yep. within those types of very tight knit relationships. Taking that and applying it to the political ones, I think there are aspects of it where it's really good, um, yep. where it could be better. It's still like extremely difficult. And again, as a yep. as a as a capitalist for socialist, I think there's lots of ideas that are amazing. For like in terms of my relationship with my mom and dad, would be yep. terrible ideas. Like when applied yep. between me and you know some random person yep. that I don't know, you know halfway yep. around the world. Yeah. Um, yep. So listen. I want to make a connection for you and we'll, we can, we should wrap on this because it's perfect. So, so beautifully said about just like proof of work. And I like how you talk about long-term holding all that stuff because kind of wrapping it up on Bitcoin and why I saw the original overlaps of just like listening to your tweets and listening to your videos. Um, Bitcoin like is created, like created by energy. Like Bitcoin is tied to energy. The proof of work of 
pouring in the electricity into the thing to write the next block. And that's all built on the monetary policy that was written in software at a time that every single node and computer like goes to it. That's proof of work has been running since 2009. Like it's that thing that everyone can come back to, come back to, come back to. And I liked how you said of like new people still come with great ideas, but then it's molded and through the lens of like the th people that have created the block fully agree. And right. then let's contrast that with the current like incumbent like monetary system that's just very feels like it's just constantly changing all the time and very hard to predict and very just weird and random and hard to know where you stand on and how yeah. that impacts everything and so that um that's why i see the overlap and that's why i have a foot in like both these worlds because i feel like they're just i i do i do feel like they're the most like ability to kind of surf on top of the randomness that is happening because here we're building like uh like software driven money layer consensus layer and real estate like the way that i would describe it the reason why it's been such a true wealth builder over time is because like the because the physical ground matters like the physical yeah, space yeah, of yeah. where we live the, the just yeah. classic thing of like you can't live in your socks like just right. that classic yeah. thing you can't exactly. live in your socks and so yep. real estate matters that's the yep. reason why it has like also received kind of this like moneyness to it is because it has a fundamental use so yep. yeah i just i i think you like you made the analogy like really like beautifully i'm super thankful for the time let yeah. us um hit any final thoughts if you feel like it, ask me like one question about Bitcoin that would just help, like help for you or for anyone else. And then tell us where people can find you. Um, I, the question that I would ask you is, um, you said you've been investing in it since 2015. What was the thing that tipped you from not being um, an investor in Bitcoin to being an investor in like a believer uh, in Bitcoin, like from the very beginning? What was that? That would that, uh, you know, uh, that activation yeah. energy yeah i think it's from i think it was when i felt like when i felt the political impact of it like when i felt mm. the fixed money fix the world impact of it because when you first starting buying bitcoin you're buying it to make more dollars when you kind of the way that i would describe it and it's a large bucket like become a bitcoiner or whatever like is when you switch over to kind of mentally seeing that like this monetary policy works better than this monetary policy and all the underlying signaling that will get better in society and help society get better in a, in a true like like it'll make the world it'll more fair like i believe that it'll make the world more fair for us to use it as our metric that's awesome. what switched me cool well um and then okay i'd say people can follow me um, i'm pretty accessible on twitter uh, my handle is yep. just my name at bobby fion b-o-b-b-y-f-i-j-a-n my last name rhymes with neon, Fion neon. So at Bobby Fion, um, I'm on Twitter. And if you follow me, you know, you'll get a lot of stuff about um, uh, real estate data and apartment floor plans. So that's uh, yeah. that's what I'm there for. Perfect. All right, everyone, go listen to Bobby on the Fort Worth Chris show. Also for like the more guts of just everything he knows, like the computer in his brain about apartment floor plans, get all of that over there. Follow him on Twitter. And then if you're on the Choice YouTube page, like look at the past episodes of our real estate Bitcoin crossover because that's the reason why we're doing this. Comment, let me know what you liked about the show. Tweet us both, let me know what you liked about the show and we will see you on the next one. Thanks a lot. 
Hey all, this is Brian. You can reach me on Twitter at Brain Harrington. Shoot me a DM with any feedback from today's episode. This has been a Choice App production. Bitcoin is becoming centric to personal finance, and we want to help you learn how to better engage with Bitcoin financial services. None of this is financial advice and is for education and entertainment only.